Hello, everybody. Hi, friends. We are back. A little, a day or two late this week, but we're here. Our we apologies. We're bu- it's a busy time of year for us in our careers that we get paid for. Oh, uh, yeah. And also, uh, I, you know what? Should we, uh, we'll go back to a year, just over a year ago. We'll go back into the sausage making again. Um, should we admit that we pre-recorded uh, last week's show? Well, yeah, they knew we did because I say uh, Stephen Hawking died in it. Yeah. Okay. All so right. I'm sure they figured yes. that out. I we didn't. It wasn't. A, it was only also, a, a few days early, a week early, maybe. Yeah, it was just a timing thing. We, that's what we had to do. There was because there's something we might have addressed in last week's episode that's very particular to our subject matter, and, and that would be the the big dead giraffe in the room. Oh, we had Toys R Us. We didn't talk yeah. about Toys R Us. Yeah, I, I'm, we won't even we won't even get into it now. Maybe we take the time and go back and. I mean, we did Toy Store memories and stuff, but uh, well, we see how things play out. Maybe you know, Toys R Us is still around for now. For now, yeah. Now, it's, uh, the, uh, there's a big store closing. I, I went to the Apple Store the other day to get uh, tips for my Apple Pencil, and um, that's a thing. And uh, I saw on the Toys R Us, because I went up Grave Street, I saw that there was a, uh, a store closing banner across our Toys R Us, the one we grew up with. That, I mean, that I literally, like, grew up there. Right. Like, it was my first, like, no offense to my uncle at the golf course or the Boy Scout camp, but that was, like, the first real job I had for, like, a, a corporation, for, <laughs> even though it was, for, like, three months. And I played or when i say played baseball i mean i sat on the bench and occasionally stood at the plate and had the pitcher throw a ball at me at the, uh, the field behind at the it. baseball fields right behind that that's where i had my school dance that we spoke of during the romance episode and the disgusting public pool that they took the diving boards away because kids were hurting themselves right um but you would still get that fine combination of chlorine and uh, swedish fish oh yeah um there's just something about those two things together. If well, uh, they were okay, to make well, a Swedish fish flavor, like chlorine flavored Swedish fish, that's the way to go. You're you're about uh, you're you were tangenting on a third level there. I was gonna try and pull you back out. Late. Um, you you really started going deep there. But uh, yeah, I, I, even though I was more of a KB guy and we spent more time in KB, Toys R Us was always special, and we will miss it. And I'm sure we'll find a way to pay tribute in an episode upcoming. But today sure. we're talking. TV theme shows, songs, TV theme songs. Yes. The songs, the <laughs> intro, the whole... Right. Whole, Squeezer, the, I didn't... The first just, 40 seconds. Right. I didn't pick mine on just songs. I picked mine on the intros that captivated me, that I always liked. If there was a good intro to go along with the song, uh, I, I I decided it would be on my list. Uh, mm-hmm. I think you did the same thing. My, mine is partially that. A lot of... All of my picks are seriously... Some of them... Like they they all run through my head throughout the course of my day, and you you know how my brain works in general. Um, some of them are just kind of you know in the back of my head, just humming along. Others are literally out loud, 
as I'm like going through my day working and occasionally rolling around uh, to recreate said open. Um, right. Because I'm still a child. Yeah, no, I um, feel you. Yeah. So uh, let's get into it. Your first pick. You're going to go up first. Uh, do you have any preference or should I just roll it? Uh, th- this is one of those ones that I just, I-, I sing along in my head all day and it's just a warm, fuzzy feeling and it's just a great show and I, I think one of the best, like, just performed songs of any sitcom. Streaks on the china never mattered before, who cares? Kicked your jacket as you came through the door. No one glares, but sometimes things get turned around and no one spared. All hands look out below. There's a change in the status quo. Gonna need all the help that we can get. According to our new arrival, life is more than mere survival. I just might live a good life yet. So, what the fuck is that? I don't know how we made it this far into our show, and I haven't talked about Mr. Belvedere. I never saw the show or heard that song before. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not. You never saw Mr. Belvedere? No, I didn't. Ah, uh, I love this show. Uh, Christopher Hewitt, uh, famous for his role. And uh, as Mr. Belvedere, who is a, a, a butler brought on to uh, tend to a family's needs, um, you, you know, sure very busy 80s lifestyle. You sure we're not talking about one Mr. of them Belding? happens. To be... uh, what? Are we sure we're not talking about Mr. Belding? No, this is Mr. Belvedere. Oh, no, okay. no, Mr. Belvedere would uh, he was basically. Um, oh, this is a show with Bob Euchre in it, wasn't it? Yeah, I was just gonna say Bob Euchre. Yeah, is I was I was leading up to Bob Euchre um, playing a character that is a sports broadcaster. <laughs> yeah, they really they really stretched that out. He was actually doing the two th- same things, uh, two gigs at the same time. He was calling for the Brewers and uh, pretending to be someone being a sport. I think he was a sports writer, and then his son in the show became a sports broadcaster. I, if I recall. But Mr. Belvedere, okay. I think, let's go to, uh, uh, what's our favorite uh, 90s show where we learn a lesson every 15 minutes? Boy Meets World. Oh, okay. Um, Mr. Belvedere was that figurehead that would always be there to teach those lessons. Because oh. uh, I guess Bob Euchre just, you know, shit dad, I guess. Um, everyone in the family is so incompetent they couldn't figure out their own shit, so they had to bring in a... Uh, a psychiatrist that also cleans stuff up uh, and opens the door. Yeah, okay. And uh, where do you get one would, of those? We could use one at uh, work. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, Mr. Belvedere, he was on ABC from '85 to '90, so it got it had a good run. Oh, I guess. So. Um, that that was pretty much Christopher Hewitt's main gig. He did little stuff here and there, also appearing as himself from time to time. Um, it was written by uh, Gary Portnoy. If I'm saying that right, I don't know. The theme, not the uh, show, right? The, the the theme, yeah. We're just talking themes here. Uh, he had another uh, very catchy theme 
uh, for a show that was on for quite some time called Cheers. Oh, yeah. Everybody knows so your name. He had a good run. Everyone, it's funny. All these that I go through, for the most part, I say for the most part, four for four for five, um, these people were like legit song. Like, it's funny. Like, you think of like musicians and songwriters, like, you know, it's like session musicians and stuff. Yeah. And when you, you know, become a professional musician as a kid, you think, well, I'm going to be a rock star. No, you're but not. someone's got to write music for TV Please, shows. We thought we were going and to be professional filmmakers and television producers. You know what? What I did tonight was pretty damn special. Hey, I got to see someone talk about Predator too. So and Rocky Five and Rocky Five, and then somehow transition into three. Um, and he was a Minnesota Viking. Yes, he was a Minnesota Viking. Um, it was performed by Leon Redbone. Okay. Which is pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, and I have, there's a I have neat his little, album on vinyl. Uh, neat little fact about this, a little factoid. This song wasn't written for Mr. Belvedere, even though it's perfect for, perfect for it. Because uh, Mr. Belvedere started in 85 to 90. There was a pilot called Help, which, again, another, like, you know, uh, butler show, I guess. Maid show, The Nanny or something, you know, but, but in 84. That it was written for. Uh, okay. But, you know, like most pilots uh, didn't get picked up. So this song was just kind of floating around. They're like, oh, we have the perfect show for this. And so they just pulled this one off the shelf. Perfect. So um, Mr. Belvedere, it's a good first pick, Squeeze. Go check out Mr. Belvedere. Great show. Even more awesome theme song. You, you got us off running. Uh, and my first one, I'm going to start uh, with this. And there's a bit of an overture to start. So bear with it. So in this right now, this is the intro to Pee-wee's Playhouse, mm -hmm. and we're seeing a claymation, uh, and, and, and actually this overture is a uh, called Quiet Village by Les Baxter. It's um, a pretty good like uh, early like thing to over to start your show, and there's a bunch of claymation like of the outside, the woods, a beaver like chong like gnawing down the tree with the sign mm -hmm. on it and you see all the outdoors uh, of the Pee Wee's Playhouse and uh, you're outside still and then you go inside and treated to something special. <laughs> so uh, you hear this voice and who does it sound like to you? Well, no answer. It's uh, it's Betty Boop, right? Oh yeah. Well, it's actually performed by Ellen Shaw, which is actually Cindy Lauper. Uh, it's credited as Ellen Shaw, but Cindy Lauper's performing this, uh, doing it? her best imitation of Betty Boop. Really? Yeah. Damn. So let me tell you something about Pee Wee's Playhouse. This show was so fantastic. I have a friend, Kelly. Please tell me about it, because yeah, you weren't allowed to watch it. Uh, my friend Kelly's daughter, Reagan, she's like four or five. She lo absolutely loves it. She just had her birthday, and they had a Pee Wee's Playhouse theme. 
It was That's awesome. I know. It was fantastic. Uh, so many people were part of the show. You know, um, Rob Zombie was a production assistant on the show. No shit. Yeah. John Singleton was a security guard. Uh, all uh, Paul Rubin's friends from um, uh, The Groundlings were basically on this. Sandra Bernhardt, uh, Lawrence Fishburne, Phil Hartman. That, that's my favorite little, like, the fact that Lawrence Fishburne was in it. Right. Phil Hartman was one of his best friends. Um, so, uh, you know, and, and Natasha Lyonne, uh, Jimmy Smith, Lynn's Jim, you're one of your favorite Jimmy Smith. Uh, Lynn Stewart, uh, so many people were involved in the show and just would come out because they love Paul Rubens and the Pee Wee character. And as a kid, I absolutely loved it. I never miss Pee Wee's Playhouse on a Sunday. And I love this intro. I love the whole overture uh, featuring Les Baxter's Quiet Village. It's an interpretation of it, the prelude. And um, I just thought that was so cool that there was this like outside prelude, like getting you ready to go in and then you hit it and it just like popped off. You know what I mean? It wasn't just mm-hmm. like... It just didn't come out of the gate. It was a slow prelude into, and I I, I thought that was so cool. It this, gave you time to settle in, right? You settle it in. Created a mood. You you were creating. It was creating a world. You really were like because you were entering into Pee Wee's world. Yeah, it was it was taking you into the, into the world. There's so much good production on this. The the show obviously holds up. Like I told you about my friend Kelly's daughter, um, and uh, you know who composed uh, the theme. Hmm. Uh, Mark Mothersbaugh. Mothersbaugh. You might know him from a little band called Devo. No shit. Yes, Mark Mothersbaugh became famous to me uh, as he was the composer for a little movie called Rushmore, which has one of my favorite soundtracks ever. Mm -hmm. Uh, He also did Wes Anderson's Bottle Rocket and the Royal Tenenbaums and Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. He was the composer on Lego Movie. He did television, kids' television shows such as Rugrats, Beekman's World, uh, uh, Santo Begito, Clifford the Big Red Dog. He just did uh, the Super Mario World TV uh, series for Deke. He did that. Um, he was just... He's, uh, I, I just love Mark Mothersbaugh's work. It, it, it's funny. Like Again, there are other guys on, on my list where like you don't know their name. You... Don't they don't have any big hits? They don't have Grammys and music videos, but the songs that like you hum in your head all day long are the jingles and little bumpers and teases that they wrote that are like created the show. Like without that, you don't have that. Some shows won't work without that music. Oh yeah, I agree, and uh, I think that. His contributions to soundtracks, um, such as like R- R- Rushmore's, especially I hear that music in my head all the time. And um, he did Happy Gilmore. He did uh, uh, It's Pat. <laughs> uh, he did Revenge of the Nerds Two, Nerds in Paradise, another great movie. <clears throat> he just did so much good stuff that, in my mind, um, you know he'll. You know that that overshadows anything he ever did for uh, for I'm sorry, D- the band Devo. Uh, I I agree entirely. Yeah. yeah, I mean he had Whip It, and mm-hmm. uh, he did the which he, was important for its time. You didn't you did yeah of course it was you, he did um 
the music for uh, Pee-wee's Big Holiday then on uh, Netflix, the Netflix original movie. And of course, his latest movie, he did Thor, the soundtrack to Thor Ragnarok. Oh, so he's fairly busy. Oh, yeah. He, he's, he's working like constantly. Like oh, this guy's scoring movies like 21 Jump Street, 22 Jump Street, Las Vegas, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, 1 and 2, Hotel Transylvania, uh, What to Expect When You're Expecting, Alvin and the Chipmunks, Chip Track, Born to be Wild, um, uh, whatever you, the vacation Those movies. Alvin and Chipmunk movies are infuriating. <laughs> yeah. Fortunately, but... my kid doesn't watch them, but when uh, Sesame Street's over, Mm-hmm. And it's just on in the background, and uh, HBO kid decides to play a chipmunk movie. Yeah, uh, it just it hurts the soul because well, they're not they're not our chipmunk movies. Here's what's gonna blow your mind. You're a big fan of this, I think, right? Uh, he did the music for the Crash Bandicoot series. They're fun games. Yeah, I honestly don't think I ever played a full one. I always played. That remember, I spoke of the demo disc that when oh, yeah, I tried right, to right, right. Enchantress head is, a, head. is a big fan, she loves them. They're um, fun games, yeah. they really are. And in television, he's done uh, in television, in, in um, no, not in television. In oh, you got me excited TV because I'm like, wow, he had a two bit soundtrack. No, you know, he's he started his first ever gig was Pee Wee's Playhouse, but he went on to do Rugrats, of course, Adventures in Wonderland, which you talked about, one of your shows. Oh, yeah. Uh, he did the Dumb and Dumber cartoon. Remember that thing? The animated series? <laughs> okay, so they're not all hits. I was, like, obsessed with that when it came out in 95. I just wanted to see it. It was, it was okay. It wasn't bad. Uh, he did Rocket Power. Uh, you know, it's gotta be better than the MC Hammer cartoon, so I'll give it that. Yeah, of course. He did Big Love, Blue Mountain State, Glory Days. He, he did House of Lies. <laughs> Carrie Diaries, Last Man on Earth. Uh, he did a lot. So here's to uh, Mark Mothersbaugh and uh, to the intro and theme song for Pee Wee's Playhouse. Wow. May well, you live on in our lives forever. Well, again, staying on the topic of guys that have done just about everything you've ever heard. Um, I mean, all, all these all these little jingles and stuff that you have in, in your head and you hear like Every night, if you watch the news or even your local news, you know, you get these your news stations buy packages of music like it's not it's not like someone's there playing a guitar and like, no, they go online or they used to you would get a disc and that's what you bought. And that was, well, yeah, you, you, you used uses. to buy carts, which look Car- like yes. eight tracks uh, and had looping the song would loop. You put in a mm-hmm. cart and a song. Would, well, there was one one or two songs per cart. I believe you f- you could flip the cart and there's a second song, but it, yeah. that song would just loop. Uh, Depended on the system. We actually had those in college. Um, at that point, they were already pretty much obsolete. Um, yeah, uh, I remember when I started at the station, we had a we played we would play carts. Um, but here's the thing: someone has to write that stuff. Yeah. You know, it's like it's still music, you know, and you still need musicians to write it and play it. Yeah. People make uh, big money doing that. Yeah. And in this in this case, this is probably amongst this guy's hits. This is probably the most recognizable to our audience.
I know this one. Oh yeah, you do. It, it's it, no, it's funny. It doesn't sound the same without Harvey talking over it. Right. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. So th- this is our theme song to Double Dare. Yes. Of course. I mean, we've spoken Double Dare ad nauseum on this show, as we should. As we should. Um, and it, it's the perfect theme for it too, because it, it's fast and immediately like gets you in the mood for like it's perfect for this show it fits perfectly and that's what ed kelhoff does and again it's one of those names that isn't on everyone's you know it's not on your ipod right iPod, jesus phone or music distribution device yeah, i don't think talking about ipods like how we used to talk about disc mans let's go listen <laughs> to it so on your old. disc man ipod um yeah, my, my mom just asked me because I bought her an iPod Shuffle for Christmas, like back in the 1800s, like, 10 years ago. or so, I don't I don't know. And she was asking me about it. I'm like, I was surprised it even worked anymore. I'm like, yeah, she still uses it. Same songs that I loaded on it 10 years ago. Um, I, I, I don't know if she thinks that like what she got on it is what stays there. Like it's like this permanent thing. Like, right. oh, he bought me this device that plays these songs that he got for it. I'm not going to even try to f- let her figure out how to do that. Um, so, yeah, uh, Ed Kelhoff came up with Double Dare, wrote the Double Dare uh, jam. I'd say it's like a jam. Um, you can actually go online and there is a um, – I was watching a uh, – like, not a TED Talk. A, uh, we'll call it a Ned Talk uh, with Mark Summers and he introduced – Ed Kalehoff and the guy on guitar, and like they jammed live doing the theme to Double Dare. It's awesome. You just oh, really? Google Double Dare live and you can check it out. Um, but again, this is one of those guys that was is busy, you know, doing his thing. Um, so we also did the theme, The Price is Right. Uh, and then he also had a gig with ABC. And when I say ABC, I mean like the ABC. Like, uh, firstborn child of the evil, you know, empire that is Disney now. The right. beautiful evil empire that is Disney. Right. So, like, ABC Sports. All those little, like, musical riffs and bumpers and stuff. He does that kind of stuff. He, he wrote pretty much all of the music for Monday Night Football at one point. Uh, and then he also, uh, ABC News, so, like, ABC Nightly News, like, that little jingle that, like, when you hear it, you know, oh, I'm watching ABC Nightly News. If you right. still do. But back in the day, we sure as hell did. He also wrote that. And he's also a longtime collaborator with a uh, fairly well-known television producer. Obviously, he worked with The Price Right. Mark Goodson. Oh. So if you – it all depends on who you hook up with. Again, uh, down further on my list, there's another one who collaborates with certain directors. But, yeah, he hooked up with Mark Goodson. So all those Mark Goodson television productions, like, that's a hell of a gig. And when you think about it, as a musician, if this is what you're doing, like, again, we go back to, like, do you want to be, like, a a rock star and stuff? It's like, you know know where they make most of their money. Uh, Royalties? No. uh, Touring. Oh, yeah, I thought just royalties from rap artists sampling their music. Oh, well, that, no, true. Um, but yeah, the a bulk of your money, because with like CDs and stuff, so much of it goes to the, 
the record label and then production, you know, and they milk you. And then you have to go out and tour and promote that and, you know, get ticket sales. And that's where you make all your money at. Right. But if you want to stay at home, but be a musician, like you can do this. Like you can work a nine to five job writing, you know, this kind of stuff and have like a comfortable life. Right. So it's almost like if you had if you had the choice, like, yeah, it'd be cool to be up there on stage and travel the world and, you know, become an alcoholic. Oh. Or I could just, you know, chill and have a nice place somewhere in Malibu and then go into the studio. I want a nice place somewhere in Malibu. Yeah. All right. Well, let's learn. I'll do keyboard. I, I had a couple uh, piano lessons. You have a guitar somewhere in there. So let's start writing jingles. All right. Sold me. Let's do it. Uh, are we ready to move on? We shall. Okay. Well, my next one, uh, it was hard to find a lot of information on on it and um, who, who wrote it, but uh, uh, you probably remember it. Everyone remembers it. Sometimes I just love a little Bill Shatner here. Drastically affect the lives of those around us. I'm William Shatner. Tonight, true stories of caring people who make a difference on Rescue 911. I just had to get that. (sighs) Rescue 911. Sorry, Bill. um, I lived with a dad (laughs) who was a firefighter and also worked in emergency management. And I had a brother who was obsessed with firefighting, cops, and all that shit. My grandfather was a firefighter in emergency management. <clears throat> I was uh, the black sheep squeezer. But we, well, we can't all make good on society. No, no, we certainly cannot. But we would watch Rescue Nine One One constantly. Uh, I think it was Tuesday nights on CBS when it aired. Uh, it started in um, 1989 and ran through 1996. Uh, and my uh, family, I just watched it because it was a show we'd watch. You know, I was, I was, uh, I, I went with the crowd. You know, it was on. The, I never got to pick the show because, no, you know, of course I'd be like, let's. You were in the middle. Let's go outside and blow things up. <laughs> you know, uh, so all, that you can be on an episode of Rescue 911. <laughs> Exactly. I want to be part of the show. Not watch. Let's get these assholes out here. I just I just picture like your dad made a dub of this on cassette and he would just drive around listening to the theme of this in his car. Um I'm sure him and then my brother might still have it on his iPod, I'm sorry, iPhone. <laughs> and uh and listen to it 
as he drives around with his lights on. Now, I didn't do a whole lot of digging for this. I dug as far as Google would far as Google would let me, but I could not find who composed this this uh, theme. It sounds like it's something that would be done in house. Yeah, pro- or something like that. It, it came from like a Muzak, and they just bought the rights, so it couldn't be. Yeah, which you can do. Uh, but I did find that uh, this show had merch. Uh, they had model kits, a police car, an ambulance, and a helicopter. There was Matchbox Rescue Nine One One themed cars, um, a pace car, a medic's car, uh, a fire observer van, and a police van, along with a search and rescue themed vehicles. And then um, there was a slot car set. Did did one of them have like a little boat it would tow behind? I don't know. I didn't see the pictures, but I oh, could find yeah. out. Uh, so um, there was a slot car set in 93 uh, from Marktron that the Rescue 911 Chopper Rescue included two slot cars, a fire truck, and a police jeep, and a complete racetrack. Uh, I don't know. You had to jump your cars over the canyon uh, with the aid of the magnetic helicopter. Um, I don't know if it was a, a race to see who could call, who could wind up calling rescue nine one. I'm sorry, nine one one first, the police or the fire department. But uh, they had that, and then there was a pinball machine released in 1994 from uh, Enchantress. Isn't going to like this name, but from uh, the trade uh, named Gottlieb. Um, it featured a helicopter that magnetically captured the ball as well as a red revolving light in the back box. So that's pretty cool, huh? But the, they like their magnet toys, huh? They do. Uh, ma- helicopter magnets, yeah. It's like a, their, hmm. their thing. It's how they re- they're rescuing the ball. But yeah, this thing oh, is cool. Okay. And, and this show is fun. I'm sure there's plenty of people out there who was... You, did you watch Rescue 911? Oh, yeah. Oh, you know what? I Absolutely. Just, I just found the composer. Uh, Richard Stone composed the theme for seasons one through three, and Stu Goldberg, I guess they changed it, com- seasons four through seven. Now we got to find that. Hold on. Uh, i got to find out this changed theme. You would want me to find this out, right? Mm-hmm. Did you know... Uh, so what? What do you have any memories of this show? No, I, I mean, nothing that... I could add substantial value to all. It was just, it was always in syndication when I watched it. I know for sure. And it was always be at like weird hours, like late. Uh, when I would have like my, my multiple like old TV set up down in my room when I was in the, when I was living in the basement when I was like, you know, 12 or 13. And, uh, yeah, all, all, all the TVs that I would collect from the uh, old hotels that would uh, close down and remodel, I would watch <laughs> it on one of those. Here's the, I, I don't know if this is a new or old thing. Hmm. That's got to be an old one. Um, I don't know. I, well, I, I don't know if it's, there's just not enough time for us to find it here. But uh, so this Richard Stone, uh, who composed the original theme, he composed music and songs for Tiny Toon Adventures, Tasmania, The Plucky Duck Show, Animaniacs, Pinky in the Brain, Shit. Hysteria, The Sylvester and Tweety Mysteries, Freakazoid, and Road Rovers. 
Hmm. So. No, I'm curious. What was the production company behind Rescue 911? Uh, Rescue 911 CBS. CBS or the parent. So that would. Because I'm just thinking, those are all Warner Brothers uh, cartoons. Yeah, it was. Uh, so he must have like. Like con- got a contract, you know, with with them back in like back in the day, how like an actress or an actor would have like a contract with like a uh, with a movie studio, you know, right. so you only work for that studio. Like it seems like a lot of these guys sign contracts or not even contracts, but like work for that, you know. They work for ABC. They work for Warner Brothers, and you know they have their little in-house production company. Right. Yeah, I can't find uh, it's just a CBS Entertainment Productions. I can't find exactly who, but yeah, Richard Stone and then Stu Goldberg would do the se- later seasons, and ugh, he's got some credits, but none that we'd know. Mm-hmm. So he was a studio musician, like we talked about. But yeah, Rescue Nine One One. That was my second pick, and uh, I believe it's time to move on to Squeezer, your next pick. You ready for it? Oh, yeah. fall for that too what you like thought i always was... double up on it on yeah. the lyrics well that i maybe maybe because in our head that's what we just did fuck it i say it's there all right sorry so for me this is you, you, i mean th- this could get testy we can we can fight this but to me it's the quintessential family sitcom theme Oh, see, I think mine's grown. I'm not grown. Uh, we're talking grown hands. Mine's um, a full house. Full house. I don't disagree. I get that. Uh, just growing pains. See, I literally he, just runs through my head day and night. Uh, oh, you know what? You know what it might be? I think it should be family matters. And I'll family explain matters. Why. I'll explain why. Because full house. Like that opening shot up over the river. No. Full house and... Uh, and Growing Pains mm-hmm. would give you live action shots of the characters when they were keying them. Sometimes. Yes. Uh, Family Matters had the the turn and pose to the camera shots. Yeah. And you can't beat that. Like, that is... Well, no. Family... Growing Pains did it. Did they? It, it changed over the seasons. Wow. Family Matters always had... That's why I always love Family Matters for the fact that they'd always have the, like, hard camera look. So, yeah, so season one, 
was actually it, it was more reminiscent of Cheers, where they had like these um like images like uh, it started off with like a carving like an Egyptian like carving or like a cuneiform tablet right and and like old timey photos until it revealed the family photo of the Seavers and then it went to color and then the title card went back in and then the show began. That was the first season. Uh, second season, it was weird because it would open up real hard too with like with a laugh track too. Right. It would open with the laugh track with them standing in front of the house <laughs> and the title card, boom. And then it would cut in a live action shot of them doing something from the series. And then go to photos of them growing up. So like e- each character had a couple so when it would go for their individual name titles it would show them like through the ages until it got to the, like their most recent picture and then it would give you their their credit and it went through that for the throughout the open and then it would end on them in front of the house and they would all walk in and then that that was seasons 2 through 5 season 7 they kind of cheaped out and they just did a pan of photos like on the like mantle right and that was pretty much it and then it even ends they got rid of them standing in front of the house and it ends with the family photo on top of the mantle also this is the season that had leo in it so leonardo dicaprio is in this season in season seven and uh it oh it's funny it's almost like they forgot that they needed to add him into the open because like the pictures that they show of him are clearly just like they almost like they were just promo headshots that he had done all against just a blue like that blue cloud background you'd have like your class photo in but all of them it's like him in like a fun jacket and hat like posing right yeah so it was almost like last second like oh shit we got to do it like they were actually filming the show and like hey this is gonna air next week and we need an open just stand here and look cute you know like the leo that you are I mean, um, I've been there. <laughs> yeah. This is going to uh, air next week, and we have an open. <laughs> uh, so I need an open to do. It, I've been there. I can't, I can't find fault. I don't want to... written by... I don't want to throw stones in glass houses. No, I would love to throw those stones, too. Um, John Bettis, who had a rather famous song... Uh, I came out after this, actually, after the fact. Uh, remember One Moment in Time? Yeah. For the Olympics? Yeah. Yeah, he wrote that damn thing. Oh. And then uh, Steve Dorff, uh, who did, uh, uh, he did Murphy Brown, Just the Ten of Us, and he's also in, like, the Country Music Hall of Fame. Okay. Also, the father of Steven Dorff. Right. Yeah. Fun little fact there. And, uh, and, sorry, are you taking a beer break? No, just a water. No, oh, seltzer. just water, seltzer. So, I'm not to drink after nine. Oh, yeah, a healthful sweet. little boy. Um, cute little fun fact here watch the series, and it's fairly consistent. There are multiple uh, endings to the intro. Because you know how they all, they all stand there as a family, and then when it's over, they all kind of run into the house? 
mm-hmm. someone stays behind and kind of stares at the camera like, oh, is it time? And then they go in last. Right. They reshot that each time for each character being the last one. And then it was that character who that episode revolved around mostly. Oh, really? Yeah, almost like an Easter egg. Like, if you, if you paid attention, I'm sure it, it was hindsight that people caught this, maybe. Or it, it was leaked, but there was no internet, so how the hell did anyone know anything? Um, but yeah, if you were to watch and you see whatever character is the last to leave, uh, that episode is going to, the storyline is going to revolve heavily around them. Well, that's an interesting tidbit I don't think I ever picked up on when I was a kid. Yeah, so I'm gonna go back and rewatch all of Growing Pains and yeah, add it to your list. Good luck. The end of the week, Trailer Park Boys comes out. I gotta, I gotta dive deep into that. Shit. And did you even start that? Oh. <laughs> all right. Well, um, I guess it's time to move on to my next one. And here it is. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna describe what's going on for you as we play it, Squeezer. So stay with me. Okay. So it's Hulk Hogan pointing at the flag, a bunch of Boy Scouts, the Bushwhacker, Washington Monument, Sergeant Slaughter, Hulk Hogan with a hard hat on, the Congress bill, uh, the, the, the Capitol, I almost called the Congress building, Macho Man, Hulk Hogan riding on a motorcycle, making a gun, uh, missing a bunch of stuff, but a lot of American flags, a lot of signs of America, Hulk Hogan coming out with the American flag, and of course we're talking about WWF All-American Wrestling which aired on the USA Network Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. Did you watch All-American Wrestling? Oh, sorry, I don't have you potted up. I'm sorry. Oh. I potted down the, the cart and, oh, and said you. There you are. Did you watch All-American Wrestling? Uh, from time to time, yeah. I, it was a never miss because Sundays were boring. They were the worst days. The worst days. And... um. Sundays were our days to go visit family in the morning. Oh, God, for me, it was, uh, you know, if, if we didn't, if we could get out of going to church, like, uh, if, like, A, our parents forgot or they took us, uh, because well, ca- Catholics have church, they let you go on Sunday, Saturday nights. Ah. Uh, yeah. So, you, you go, but it was good. You go, like, 4.30 Saturday, you get fast food after that or, like, a pizza, and then you're right on the snack. And then you okay, well, the, I was outside playing, but go ahead. Well, I'm talking like winter. I was outside playing. <laughs> you know what? I wanted to be fucking outside playing too, but Jesus calls sometimes. My mom was a Sunday school teacher, All right. so we were going to be there. Uh, so Catholics are able to like get it out of the way so they can sleep in. And um, Yeah, that's why my guy nailed us some shit to your door because he was pissed off about it. <laughs> Uh, Martin Luther. Um, so you would, we'd wake up and I'd always, I'd always try to catch all American wrestling and Gene Oakland was usually the host. Uh, I probably caught on like 91 macho man was his co-host. Mr. Perfect was his co-host. And then Bobby the brain Heenan became his permanent co-host for a while. And it was just like a syndicated wrestling show, but I don't know who did the theme. I'm, I'm assuming Jim Johnson did it. Uh, this is now I bought a shirt off of, uh, Bruce Pritchard.com for, I, I'm a big fan of something to wrestle with, with Bruce Pritchard. And when you buy a shirt from him, you get a phone call from him. And, uh, 
the one question when I finally he's backed up, he said it, he's backed up. Personal phone call. The one when he calls me, the, I'm gonna be like, hey Bruce, great to hear from you. I have a question that my podcast audience wants to know. Can you answer this? Because I could not find it online. Who uh, composed the theme for All American Wrestling? And this is the 1992 Open, so uh, I'm hoping he gives me an answer, and then I will relay it back to all of you. But you know, I just wanted to. I always was obsessed with this Open. I remember it's the Open with Hulk Hogan on a motorcycle. I do not remember the Open to any other WWF shows, but this one. So that shows you the song and the Open must have stuck with me, right? <laughs> It worked. It worked. Uh, so, yeah, WWF All-American Wrestling. Back in the day, those syndicated shows. It's what we lived on. We only had five pay-per-views a year. So you had to... And I, we were never allowed to stay up to watch primetime wrestling or Raw. Mm-hmm. So we had to live on those syndicated shows. Correct? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> All right. I was just... Are you going to uh, answer? Are you going to... I was... Sorry, I was nodding my head. Oh, uh, yeah, it doesn't work on a podcast, still, I'm generally. still new at this. All right. Well, uh, we can move on to your well, next. Uh, on the topic, let's just let's. This is as murka as it gets. Okay. Here it is. In the eyes of a ranger, the unsuspecting stranger had better know the truth of wrong from right. Cause the eyes of the ranger are upon you Any wrong you do, he's gonna see When you're in Texas, look behind you <laughs> Cause that's where the ranger's gonna be Wow, who says Chuck Norris can perform his own theme song? Oh, man. I, I'll tell you what. I, I don't know. Is it a work of art or is it? Uh, it's Chuck Norris, so it, it can't be wrong, right? No. It's it's got to be the greatest song of all time, correct? Oh yeah. All right, because it's Chuck. Yeah. Yeah. So starting in season three of Walker Texas Ranger, um, they started using this song. Before that, the or first season and a half, it was just this generic song with shots from the show and then uh halfway through the second season they uh they brought in uh the this this gem for uh turk from turk wilder who wrote this and then performed by said chuck norris yeah uh it's uh it's it, it's a certain level of douche chill when you're <laughs> watching it too because uh, it's so over the top. It, it's the, the quintessential, almost near syndicated action show kind of open. It's it's like they knew that this was going to end up on the USA Network at some point. Um, so it, it everything about it is like, I'm a badass Texas Ranger. But in all the shots, like he, he's kicking someone and he shoots someone. But then he's everyone's like turning, smiles. Turning the hard camera and smiling. Turning the hard camera and smile. And... I don't want to get too technical, but there's a certain technique in film. It's used rarely, and occasionally it's done right where it's the most uh, one of the most memorable scenes in all cinema. But it's called the dolly zoom, where 
if you're moving physically moving the camera it's called dollying sure so like moving the camera uh on a, a on a platform you're moving the whole camera and your shot's going to change right just like your eye would if you're walking right but if you zoom when you zoom in it changes the shot as well but it, it it's a different kind of distortion but if you do the two things at the same time where you and if you do it right you get a cool effect if you do it right so you truck in but you zoom out right and what that does is it you get closer to your image but at the same time your background and your character separate so like they pop in you just if you don't understand what i'm saying just watch google this uh, put on go on youtube and just look for walker texas ranger open from season three and those shots where he's staring at the camera and in your head when you see it you're gonna go like that you're gonna make a swish sound because that's what it does in your head yeah the most famous use of this and the greatest use of this ever is in jaws yes when he's sitting on the beach and there's the attack and the camera snaps in on him and it's terrifying it's spielberg we're talking the open the walker texas ranger um it's kind of all over the place like i said uh it's it's action-packed and he's kicking ass but also it's all full of good fun and chuckles you know and moral morality moral morality. fiber oh yeah everyone everyone does everyone's the right thing. being ninja kicked yeah but if you're um, only a bad um, guy if you're not if you're doing the right thing you're all right in his eyes um i i, I want to point out that this is like george orwell's greatest nightmare if you listen to the lyrics at no point are they making the world a better place or or are they are they stopping crime or making people safe? No, they're just watching and waiting for you to screw up. Yeah, but and then he's gonna come and damn, kick you does in the he teeth. look good in those boots and that duster? Yeah, I know. I mean, what's duck? Come on, he fills out that costume perfectly. The guy had perfectly. a motorcycle with rockets on it in the movie. What's that? The guy had a motorcycle with rockets on it. Yeah, <laughs> Delta Force. He's and Chuck. He's got. He fills out a duster, boots of. Uh, Couple, a pair of dungarees and a cowboy hat, like no one's business. You, uh, you think he hums that theme song to himself as he's about to beat someone's ass? Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. that's I mean, where the ranger. But how many be. other shows do you have their star singing your 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 sitcom? Uh, Archie Bunker and Walker Texas Ranger. Yeah. I'm sure there's others, and we're going to get... I'm sure, but there's nothing as badass as Chuck. No. It just makes me want to, like, dropkick someone through a car windshield. Which, by the way, don't do. It's really going to mess up your leg. Probably. Yeah. So... But he did. We're talking... We talked USA with All-American Wrestling. (laughs) We talked USA with Walker, Texas Ranger reruns. There was a show on USA that would come on after Raw and um oh, oh yeah. And it originally aired on CBS, but it got picked up and this show uh was like the spirit of my sexual awakening as a kid, I would say. Ugh.
so this is the theme from Silk Stalkings. S-T-A-L-K-I-N-G-S. It's a homonym. Um, uh, such a good show. <laughs> no, it's not at all. But oh, it's uh, not? No. I don't know. I just I, I never made it past the teasers. No. The theme is by Dominic uh, Hauser. And uh, I don't if you've seen the intro. Is he related to Dookie Hauser? Not that I'm aware of. And I think it's spelled differently. H-H-A-U. So USA had the series and they didn't cancel it until 1999. And it was uh, it was like two detectives who solved sexual based crimes of passion among the ultra rich in Palm Beach, Florida, uh, even though they shot it in uh, California, San Diego and uh, Scottsdale, Arizona. But, so why not just have it take place in San Diego or Scottsdale, Arizona? Yeah, or Scottsdale. Yeah. <laughs> but, or it's but not, it's not sexy enough. Not sexy enough. Palm Beach is sexy. Ugh, it's Florida. There's mosquitoes and old people. Oh wait, so I, uh, so Dan, I'm sorry, Danny Lux. I had these names mixed up. Danny Lux was the composer. Uh, he did uh, Halloween Resurrection, Stolen Summer uh, for TV. He did Sliders. Million Dollar Mystery. Oh, I love Sliders. I know. Boston Legal, My Name is Earl, uh, Grey's Anatomy, Ally McBeal, Boston Public, NYPD Blue, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, The Good Wife, Melrose Place, Dawson's Creek, Suits, Mistress. This man had a career. But, Holy shit. But here, uh, so the Los Angeles Times in 1992 did an article, Meet the Model Who Belongs to Sexy Silk Stockings TV Opening. So if you know this opening... Yes. Yes. <laughs> so let me read a little bit from you. You ask, who owns those female legs at the beginning of Silk Stockings, the slightly weird TV cop show filmed in San Diego? Please be a woman. Please be a woman. It Please is also a, a question that occurred to the editors of The Hollywood Reporter, which plans a special section October 30th on San Diego as a booming movie-making location. A story on a leg owner will be part of the package. The legs are seen in the opening credits. The owner, whose face is not seen, slinkly puts on a pair of silk stockings. Stockings, stockings, get it. And stuffs a small pistol <laughs> therein. Yeah, this is the article I'm reading verbatim. Now the leg answer is at hand. Catherine Carnace, 30, of Carlsbad. The 1992 Miss, Miss Mission Beach. The reigning Miss Coors Light and Miss National Auto Parts Club. She was in the VIP tent for Guns N' Roses at last week's concert at the San Diego Jack Murphy Stadium. She works out daily at Gold's Gym in Oceanside. She does modeling. She does a lot of industrial shows, demonstrating the delights of swimwear, sportswear, and indoor golf, and even video games. She hopes the Hollywood Reporter write-up will lead to her big break. Her friends know the truth, but she hasn't made a big deal out of the fact that those are her legs. I don't like to brag, she says. I'm kind of seduced about it. There you go. You're a model. What do you mean you don't like to brag about it? Right. Of course she likes to brag about it. But yeah, it, does that article not read 1990s like crazy? Oh, it screamed. The fact that they even reference the current reigning Miss Coors Light. Right. And Miss, <laughs> Nas- Miss National Auto Parts. Wait, is that 1991 or 1992 if she's reigning? She's the 1992. 19, okay. Yeah. Oh, I see her. Yeah. Yeah, you got her. You looked her up. Uh, I Kath- just typed in 1992 Miss Coors Light. Catherine uh, I'm assuming she's the one in the middle that says Coors because she's right next to uh, Miss Camel and 
Miss uh, Miss Campbell lady cigarettes? with the yellow jacket. 1992. Miss. They're Gors. they're obviously in the bed of Marty McFly's pickup truck. Oh yeah, how about that? You see that picture? Yeah. <laughs> with the roof rack left. Oh man. Miss Camel oh. Supercross. It's not just Miss Camel Squeezer. It's Miss Camel Supercross. Oh, I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yes, because. Yeah, you're taking away from her accomplishments. But yeah, so if you have never seen the opening, you don't need to ever watch the show. Just watch the opening to Silk Stockings. Yeah. It's uh, I, what did they? How do they? And refer don't to get it? attached to the lead characters for too long. No, not at all. Slinkly, it's it's titillating, titillating to say the least. It did its job when we were kids. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Uh, so now moving on to Squeezer's last pick. Uh, Just as hot. <laughs> well, guys, we're uh, hold on. I'm gonna give you a little statistic. We're about 57 minutes into this. Let's hope. No. We, let's let's hope we get out of this pick. An hour 57 Wait, out of 57. It. So okay. So I got three minutes and so I got 63 minutes to get this done. <laughs> Here's your pick. Now you're gonna. We're gonna start this. Oh, that there we go. That's a hot start right there. Yeah, it was. Now talk it up. Okay. Well, see this show. See, now we can't. We could have talked it up if we would have just played it. But now I got to try to hit the post and Oop. I'm remotely, so I can't even hear it. So I'm just going to stop now. Close enough. Chippendales Rescue Rangers. <laughs> Rescue Ranger. It just, this sounds like Chippendale, doesn't it? No, you hit the post. No, it doesn't. Did I, I hit the post? You did. It, it's kind of hard because I don't have a clock, and when I talk, I cuts out any audio coming back to me. Uh, that's uh, the curse of doing this remotely. Yeah, but it also just goes to show how ingrained in my skull this song is, and I don't need to hear it to know where to hit the post. But if you, if you're curious... <laughs> The post would be an explosion out of... Not, literally, the Big Bang, it's just an explosion out of blackness with the words MacGyver shooting right at you. <laughs> um, fantastic theme song uh, performed and by the great Randy Edelman, who, if you are not aware, worked with a certain little director named Ivan Reitman oh. on occasion. Uh, Ghostbusters 2? Uh, he scored that. And score. also a uh, Kindergarten Cop. Great movie. Yeah. And Gettysburg. He scored Gettysburg. Oh, like... And uh, Dave was there. Our friend Dave was in the movie. He, he was in the movie, and he actually shot some of the actual footage that took place well, during that's, the that's why they, actual battle. That's why they used him in the movie. He was the only one in the... He was, a, he, he was one of those... Uh, what, what do they call them? The people that know shit that you bring in? Consultant. Consultant. Yeah. Thank you. He was there. He's a consultant. No, explain consultant to me. Yeah, he was there. He was asked at the crucifixion as well. Um, he was just pulling cable though. He's early in his career. Um, what's funny though is too like his score from Gettysburg. They they pull and use in a ton of other commercials just as uh, you know a score, a soundtrack to like a generic uh, theme just because it's just pretty damn good 
the MacGyver open, I mean, it's just the, the quintessential action. We go, we go back to this. Like, I, again, I watched more MacGyver when it was syndicated on USA than when it originally aired on CBS. Uh, so it opens up, but you got that first 20 seconds. And you're like, oh, what's MacGyver doing? And they, it's all close-ups of him like rigging his gadgets, almost like it's one big gadget that he's kind of doing his thing. And then, boom, there's the explosion. <laughs> rigging and his then, gadgets. Is that a, a euphemism for masturbating? <laughs> I don't think Richard Dean Anderson needs to do that. No, he gets off on the rigging his gadgets. <laughs> you, think he, you think he creates his own devices? Yeah, he rigs um, his gadget. <laughs> Um, and then, uh, as it picks up after the big bang and MacGyver logo, then it's him like full of action, like jumping on helicopters, sliding down the sand dune on the map. Uh, Mm -hmm. I I would just love to see like all the bloopers from that because you know that didn't go well. No. Until they got it right. That had to have been a pain in the ass. Come on. Um, but yeah, and then and then of course you know you get the classic uh, uh, freeze frame uh, title card and credits for each person. Uh, Richard Dean Anderson, of course, getting the best. Uh, you know, because MacGyver was also a you know, he had his little puddle jumper, plane, his little plane, and every time he would just do his pose in his leather jacket and beautiful quaff uh, hair, uh, leaning on the wing of his plane and just smiling at you. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a secret agent, and I got a sweet-ass leather jacket. And what the fuck are you going to do about it? Uh, it was around season five, finally, they updated it, and he got a new uh, leather jacket and uh, uh, some highlights. I think they lightened his hair a little bit. Uh, which Patty and Selma loved, I'm sure. Oh, absolutely. MacGyver. Yeah, MacGyver. 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 Um. Yeah, I won't go. I won't go too much longer because I, I I know you wanna. You don't want me rambling too much on, on, the great uh, covert operative, known as uh, MacGyver. <laughs> However, uh, I I will save it for for another episode where I will, I will languish. I will languish much longer. On I was just on hoping adventures. to get this uploaded tonight. So. You know, I don't. I don't want to edit it all. I don't want to have to edit for forty-seven minutes. There's no need to. Not yet. You give people what they want. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah, one or two people did ask for that extra long cut. I gotta pick the right episode. I'm thinking it's the one where he fights the ants. Is there some sort of uh, equestrian episode you can do for? Our I was just thinking show? about that. Um, that way I killed two birds with one stone. We can do our horse episode <laughs> with MacGyver. There has to be somewhere in it's there. It's gotta be a horse episode. Rides a horse. Um yeah. Maybe the ant episode. The violin wouldn't be really damn boring to uh <laughs> to ret to to uh to describe to everyone. But who doesn't want to talk about, you know, Richard Dean Anderson stealing back a violin? Yeah. For an hour. Well, I can make it work. I know, but tonight's not the night. Okay. Um, let's move on to my the final pick of the night and my last pick. Yeah. 
This is the theme in the intro to Spider-Man the Animated Series. Do you know who performed this song, Squeezer? Wait, I know this. I, I probably said it on the show before. Uh, uh, I'm wait, going, I know this. No, you can't go any longer. We can't leave these people listening to nothing. No, they can listen to me think. Here, I'll make like a crackling sound. Well, let's just think while I say some of the cool reasons I like this. So it shows a lot of cool scenes from the show. But it, uh, originally they were planning on doing these CG backgrounds uh, of Spider-Man web-slinging around New York. Uh, but because of budget constraints, they had to use cell-based animation uh, and only occasionally use these CGI backgrounds. But a lot of them appear in the open. And they're really there's these really cool uh, uh, scenes in the open. Now... Squeezer's not even going to get to it, so I'm just going to let you know. The song was performed by Joe Perry of the rock band Aerosmith. Oh, that's why you went that way. Why? Because you like Aerosmith. I do, but I, I also love this open, and I was like, you know what? This is a, this is a good one. It was written by uh, Shaku Levy and um, uh, Uday Harpaz. Now, uh, Marvel outsourced, outsourced the show's music to uh, Saban, um, who were also responsible with the X-Men music. So that's who you could thank for that awesome... Um, oh, really? Yeah. Shaku Levy uh, was a, a composer who did Inspector Gadget, uh, Mysterious Cities of Gold, Mask, M-A-S-K, Dino Saucers, Dragon Quest... He-Man oh, and the Masters of the Universe, She-Ra, uh, JC and the Wheeled Warrior, Power Rangers, Max Strider, VR Troopers, and Big Bad Beetleborgs. Oh, I remember those. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, he just had a lot on his plate. He did the theme for X-Men. God, the list could go on and on of what this guy did. Let me pull some... Old clip, old, old things from him. Okay, so he did Heathcliff. Uh, he did uh, Rambo Bright. That's another one. People like Popples, the Popples cartoon he did. Rambo and the Forces of Freedom, which we talked about. Real Ghostbusters he did music for. Uh, Zubilee Zoo, which we scared the shit out of us and we <laughs> talked about. Dennis the Menace. Um, Starcom and the U.S. Space Forces. Uh, Beverly Hills Teens, Alf the Animated Series, Robocop the Animated Series, Cop, C-O-P-S, this guy did the music for, Noozles, Alf Tales, Dragon Warriors, Captain N the Game Master, Ring Raiders, Karate Kid, Camp Candy, the Super Mario Bros. Super Show, Grimm's Fairy Tales, The Legend of Zelda, The New Adventures of He-Man, The Adventures of Little Mermaid, Lucky Luke, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, Space Cats, Maya the Bee, Little Shop, Samurai Pizza Cats, Rockin' Cop, X-Men, King Arthur and the Knights of Justice, Jin Jan, The Panda Patrol, The Adventures of Pinocchio, Journey to the Heart of the World, Hello Kitty, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, Mad Scientist, Toon Club, Watermelon, Battletech, Honeybee Hutch, Techno Man, Creepy Crawler, Sweet Valley High, Spider-Man, obviously, VR Troopers, 
Space Strikers, Mass Rider, Izuno Guards, Super Pig, Space Strikers, Techno and the Gardens, Magic, Dragon Ball Z, Eagle Riders, Mouse and the Monster, Bureau of Alien Detectors, Incredible Hawk, Little Mouse in the Prairie, Big Bad Beetlebergs, Ninja Turtles, Next Mutation, Breaker High, Sabrina Adventures of All of Saban's Adventures of Oliver Twist, Adventures of Tom Sawyer, Adventures of Huckleberry Finn, the Silver Surfer, The Secret Files of Spy Dog, Spider Man Unlimited, Digimon Adventures, The Avengers, United They Stand. Now, oh, God, that series sucked. Do you remember that one? Mm hmm. Ugh. Horrible. Hank Pym was like the leader. Action Man. What are they thinking? Yeah. Action Man. Digimon Adventure 02. NASCAR Racer. Shinzo. Mon Calling Knights. And Digimon Tamers. This man did a fucking lot. If you watch oh, cartoons shit. in your life, this guy fucking probably did music for it. So, yeah. The, the Avengers roster was Tigra, Falcon, Scarlet Witch, Hawkeye, uh, Vision, and uh, of course, Ant-Man. Yeah, that's not a team that I want to really watch. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. Shuki Levy. There's your hmm. guy. Um, that was a good way to end it. We just, we just rattled off like a thousand cartoons. Yeah, which, which is a prime example of what what it is like these guys like this is what they do right that's the point we were trying to make yeah it's like this is what these guys do and if you're good you could be prolific and do a lot of them yeah like you don't you don't have to and, and no one yeah sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name and sometimes you don't you're talking about this name right yeah that one too <laughs> i don't know who composed this but we got it from one of those uh you know, buy the royalty free things. I think we gave credit back in the day, very early on. Someone even asked. Yeah, someone asked. They dug it. Uh, sure have it somewhere. But yeah, that's um, a file. That was this week's television themes. And uh, I had a really good idea for next week's squeezer. Oh, yeah? But I fucking forgot it. Oh. I'll have to come back to me. I got a few ideas I got to run by you. All right. But obviously, uh, this week's over, and we're going to be back next week for more Rad Years. And, but for this week, I'm RK. I'm Squeezer. And we'll have, uh, I don't know how to end this, so I'm going to just <laughs> no. pot, I'm just gonna pot up the music and pretend it didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs>